0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal, with
1: Paul and Ben Eno. As some people prepare for St. Patrick's Day, they often decorate windows and doors with images of leprechauns. That was the first question I was going to ask tonight. but We're going to do kind of a special show. We've received so many emails concerning the Japanese earthquake, what it may mean, what people can tell their children... Why God lets these sorts of things happen And a lot of them have to do with paranormal, possible paranormal aspects of this That we're going to dump our usual open line show format tonight And get into something that is a little bit unique and different And I think perhaps
2: needs to be heard and needs to be said And so after that, welcome to our 224th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno I'm Ben, and our opening questions, well, they're not really questions, our opening statements came from our co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Thank you, Ben. Welcome. Uh, Before we begin, we certainly want to
1: express our solidarity with the people of Japan in this terrible hour. We don't know how many have been killed, but it seems as though the news just keeps getting worse. I have friends in one of the hardest hit areas, Sendai, uh, whom I had been unable to reach until yesterday. So I'm happy to say that I was able to reach... One of my friends there, uh, the city is pretty much in shambles. They have no watered food. The army has a water truck down by the local school, he said, but you have to stand in line for several hours. If you turn on your faucet, mud comes out. Things are not good. Uh, they just got their power back yesterday, which is very merciful for those who have shelter because it's very cold at night. But the Japanese are a good and honorable people who work together and take care of each other. They will come out of this, and they will show us how it's done. I certainly want to mention the the, the possibilities for donations. There is a website, charitynavigator.org. Charitynavigator, one word, .org. I would suggest, Ben and I would suggest you wait a few days until the relief efforts get
2: organized. It takes some time yeah. to do this. If you know. Katrina is any... Um Example towards that because it took them a few days to get organized. Exactly.
1: And so what happens is check this charity charitynavigator.org in a few days and see who's up and running. And what they do is they rate the effectiveness of certain charities. And this is what I'm always careful of. You want to give your money to the right people to make sure that it gets to where it's supposed to go. All right, so charitynavigator.org in a day or two and see uh, what's happening at that point. We, in the meantime, pray for them. Of course, people talk like this all the time, and it sounds like platitudes. Whenever we have clergy on the show, people say, oh, we just said platitudes. Well, prayer is no platitude, especially when done through large numbers of people. It is, if you will permit the comparison, a form of genuine magic, something that means something to a lot of people who listen to this show. It unites divine power to manipulate the environment, to to manipulate the multiverse, as we're always talking about, to make real what is good, honorable, right, and true. Faith can and does move mountains. So by all means, pray for the Japanese people. And Back here on the day-to-day level of our own conscious world, so to speak, most of us, including Ben and me, have real problems with some of the policies of the United States government, but... Look who's first in line to help Japan in this crisis. Look who's always first in line to help with every asset at its disposal. So while we're at it, God bless America.
2: Okay, and after all that... Our scheduled guest, uh, Tanya (laughs) Burdenberg. Too uh, too much coffee. uh, A little bit. Um, She had to reschedule for March 28th, so we're doing an open line show tonight with plenty of new emails to answer. Well, we always have new emails to answer, just more than usual. Mm. And so we're happy to take calls uh, locally at 401-766-1240 or nationally at 800-449-1240. But first, our weekly paranormal contest. So oh, what fun! So last week <laughs> you week's, never
1: win. That's why you don't.
2: Well, because I'm the show. I'm the show host. I'm not supposed to win. Okay, well, because we, well, that'd that's be che- true. that'd all be right. cheating. So, all right. Last week's question was: um, What famous ghost ship has been reported off the coast of South Africa? And the answer was the famous Flying Dutchman.
1: Well, Chris from Marshall, Texas. I've heard him before. <laughs> I think he won once before. Chris from Marshall, Texas was the first to answer correctly.
2: Okay, so this week's question is, who was the oldest person ever to claim to be abducted by aliens? And if you get that right, win an autographed copy of my dad's most famous book, Footsteps in the Attic. Call us locally at 401-766-1240 or nationally at 800-449-1240. So if nobody gets a winner before the end of the show and you still think you have a shot, drop a line to me at BennettBehindTheParanormal.com.
1: Okay, so let's begin. One of the most popular guests on the show, by far, is the is our dear friend Murray Silver, who is a Hollywood insider, Washington insider, a paranormal expert, a television producer, a general renaissance man, based in Savannah, Georgia. And I happened to be speaking with him this week, and he sent a little note to read to everybody. And this essentially is a very very brief email that, that really touches on a lot of the things that people are feeling when you hear the, the emails that the listeners have, have written in. It's very brief.
2: Okay. Um, comes as no surprise to me. Just and speaking I'm, of the earthquake. And I'm sure it is no surprise to you. And I still insist that we haven't seen the worst of it. More to come, and it may remain far from you and yours. Murray.
1: Okay, well, it's to the point. Now, here's Our first one here, this is from Carrie Fleming in Windsor, Ontario. And Carrie writes...
2: Okay, so Carrie writes, My family and I have been watching in horror as these disasters unfold in Japan. My children want to know if it is coming here. With what I've heard on your show about 2012 and about being honest with your kids, what do I tell them?
1: Well, let me give you a little background on that. We are always saying, and we we hope that we exemplify that in our own family. Yes. Be honest with your children when when things are are going wrong. And uh, we usually talk in the context of the paranormal. I mean, if the children are saying that they're seeing things or hearing things or they're frightened, listen to them. Yes. Your children are not stupid, right? Very often our children have more wisdom than we do. And I think that that's, that's essentially what we're kind of getting at here when we talk about being honest with each other and being honest with your children. And if you are having problems in the house, if you're foreseeing issues uh, paranormally or otherwise... Uh, don't assume that your children won't understand because they're probably feeling it too.
2: If society so, is any example, this is why you must listen to your kids.
1: Yeah, that's right. So that that's what, what we're getting at here when we say being honest with your children. And, of course, we have the issue of the children being frightened by this, this terrible earthquake. You know, things like this happen all the time, unfortunately, but we usually don't see it on television in previous ages. And uh, there do seem to be an awful lot of... Of these terrible uh, natural disasters occurring uh, uh, one after the other, uh, particularly in the Pacific Rim. So, yes, be honest with your children. Well, how do you, how do you do that? What do you say that can reassure them? Well, I wish I could tell you that you could say if, if you live in certain areas that this is not likely to happen. Uh, we are based in New England here, and a lot of our local listeners across Iowa live in New England, and we have listeners elsewhere too. But uh, New England is, believe it or not, a very Uh, tectonically and seismically active area. There are small quakes all the time. There are faults you have never heard of, like the Honey Hill Fault in eastern Connecticut. Uh, Cape Ann, uh, there was a fault where a major quake wrecked Boston in 1735. I believe that's the year. And I never found this out until I was serving in the Coast Guard, and I happened to be on the base in Boston. And I said, the the new support center for the ships looks kind of strange. They said, well, it's earthquake-proof. I said, in Boston, you need an earthquake-proof building? And the guy said, you better believe it we have, he told me about that quake in the seventeen hundreds and i 'm supposed to be a historian under my other hat and I, I was not aware of the seismic history of New England uh, We also have the um, i guess i 'm not doing much to reassure people at the moment we also uh, have this 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 uh wonderful uh fault in the uh, the New Madrid area. Uh, the, the Midwest, New Madrid, uh, I believe that's in, is that Missouri? New
2: Madrid, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's Missouri, yeah, I think. I so. yeah.
1: But anyway, it, uh, that, uh, that let loose in the early 1700s. Fortunately, when very few people lived there, and uh, should that occur today, uh, you can have serious problems in uh, St. Louis all the way down through Nashville and all those areas in, in, in that particular part of the country. I mean, so- it's not
2: going to be like that movie 2012 with uh, what's-his-name there. I can't remember his name. But him and his sister always in movies together. I cannot remember his name for the life of me. But that was just ridiculous. It was like 50 million hurricanes
1: all at once. And oh, um, yeah. I know who you mean too. Oh, well, we should write these things down. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah I mean it, it's, it's – th- there are issues involved here. And, of course, the, 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 the thing to do is look at the Japanese and see how well they are prepared for this. And even they were not quite ready for what hit them just now. But most of the damage was done by the tsunami. So I guess in the Midwest of the United States, you probably don't have to worry about tsunamis. But the point is that, that, that there are dangers that must be explained and must be dealt with and must be faced. I think the thing to do is what we always suggest in the face of danger and evil and adversity and parasites and all sorts of nasty things that face us in life, is to come together. Say, you know, we can't control nature, we can't control the weather, but uh, you will always have me, you know, you take my hand. Let's stand shoulder to shoulder. And this goes for your children and and for the person next door or for total strangers. You stand shoulder to shoulder because in the end, all we have is God and each other. And God comes up in some of these emails too. So that's all I can really say. And as you have opportunities to talk to your children about this, bring up positive things. Say, you know, it's, it's... not very likely that, that that would maybe happen here. And it isn't. I mean these things don't don't happen every very day. This is a thousand year quake we saw in Japan. But we stay together and we love each other. That's it. That's really what it's about. So that's keep it basic when you talk to your children. All right, here's um another one. This is from Courtney Gerald in Los Angeles.
2: You really should read the no full name thing. Okay, so oh, sorry. Oh well. Okay, so I've heard many of your shows and I respect your experience and your opinion, but when I watch these awful events unfold and unfold in Japan, I have one question. You can talk all you want about God, and I understand that the world is bigger than one, than any one of us and that's not made out for our comfort or uh, that it's not made for our comfort, excuse me. Um but with something as big as Japan, the jap the Japan disaster and thousands of horrible deaths. Where is God in that? Okay, I see uh, the point this here. brings us back to senior year in religion class. What? We had to read a huge book about this in religion.
1: Oh, okay. Why you know, why bad things happen to good people?
2: Yeah, it didn't make any sense. The That's the first- one you
1: re- I, I never really liked.
2: Oh no, it was actually um suffer. It was about suffering or something by Father Mind Kampf or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay.
1: Well, in any case, what we're talking about here is we often, and in my last book, Turning Home, I say that we are very selfish people in the West. Yes. We have developed a very self-centered attitude, a very self-centered spirituality, which is really strange in the history of human spirituality. We have the idea that we have a... um, and there's nothing wrong with you know, personal relationships with God, to say the least. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But
2: if something bad happens, you
1: immediately blame him for everything. Yeah. Personal is not selfish. Personal is not self-centered, necessarily. It's personal. Personalism as opposed to individualism, really. So what, what we're talking about is that the whole – I've never understood this whole idea of, gee, my, my mother died and my dog died. Therefore, God doesn't love me. Therefore, I'm not going to pray anymore. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense. It's not about you. It's about all of us, and that's what—that's the background of why she mentions that we've said this on the show. But you get to the level of tens of thousands of people, and I hope to heaven it doesn't come to that. But with um, what I've heard from my friend in Sendai, it might, especially if these new plants let loose. So, when it comes to that level, are we? Can, can the same principles apply? Can we still say that? Uh, God is not there to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, there are a number of of thoughts on that that come from other spiritualities and from, from the, the depths of the history of, of Western spirituality that, that might address some of that. Of uh, course, I can't answer that. Ben can't answer that, I shouldn't think, either. What? Well, Whoa. why God permits this sort of thing to happen actually
2: we talked about this in my senior religion class what did you say in your senior religion class i didn't say anything i didn't want to talk about it because okay. my views would have infuriated the teacher who well the first chapter of the book was called the question and then the second was the answer and <laughs> simple enough yes it was okay. like and the conclusion of this priest was that oh well it just sort of happens and like I was just like, that doesn't really offer much explanation to this. I mean, this is like a 300-page book, and that's all you have to say about this. So basically, what I think is – well, I forgot who told me the expression, but it's like having millions of children. I mean, you can't pay attention to like one at a time or like even a couple at a time because you have to pay attention to each one. Well,
1: this gets into some of the thinking. That that has come out in the past, and there were a lot of debates about this in the early church and in the early in pagan religions. Everybody was debating about, you know, because the question is, where is God? Maybe the question is, what is God? Now, all creatures know God by experience. Uh, We always said in the seminary when I was in the seminary for ten years, and um, they threw me out two years uh, before ordination because they didn't like me being involved in paranormal. Now they're all over us, which is very interesting. Thanks a lot. But in any case, there was, there was an issue of um, um, how can anybody come up with an idea like the Holy Trinity or like some, some of the ideas and some of the spiritualities and other religions? That's because that's how people experienced God. Our religions essentially, it, it started anyway by our experience of God. Now we assume that God is what we are taught in the West. We're very narrow thinkers, all powerful, all knowing, all loving, and that we're completely at his mercy. There have been many speculations about the nature of God throughout human history, usually reflecting the thinking of this or that culture or society. But our culture, as I said, is very self-centered. And we have essentially, I think, made God in our image because we're very selfish. Questions about God or the gods have been asked in other eras. Maybe God does not know everything was one question. Maybe he's learning from his own creation. Maybe that was his very purpose in creating the creation. That was one thought that was batted around even in the early Christian church. Because we know God by experience, many pagans, who usually tend to be closer to the earth, saw two sides to God or goddess, however they cared to describe it. A light and a dark. A yin and a yang.
2: Yes, because for everything that is good, there has to be an exact opposite for there to be balance. That's the thinking, a balance.
1: Uh, a world sometimes healthy, wealthy, and wise, uh, and a balance to that, sometimes a world of earthquakes and tsunamis. A world of constant change. And one likes to think maybe some improvement. Yes. Um, other cultures have seen two gods. I think in terms of the Manichaeans, uh, St. Augustine was part of that in his early life, uh, back in the uh, ancient times, 3rd, 4th, 5th centuries. Uh, one God, good, and one God, evil. Each struggling for dominance. Now that view is not uncommon today.
2: Yes, because you have Satan, as yeah. well, like the Satanists, and then you have the Christians. I believe in the regular God. There you go.
1: Yeah, the God versus the devil. Is as, as if the Satan was some kind of equal to God, only on the other side? It's not a new idea, and it's funny. You know, having spent so many years in the seminary, sometimes people will call or write and say, "Well, you know, this is heretical." What you say? Well, first of all, you know, I mean, I think I've grown a lot since then, and secondly. If you tell me what you believe very often about God, as one with theological training, I can find heresy after heresy after heresy in what you might be saying. So you can go nuts just thinking about this stuff, which is why we keep sort of a simple faith. But I'm presenting a lot of ideas that have come out in the history of human spirituality here that might address what some people might feel about this earthquake. Others view us as God. Or at least an important part of God. Pantheism is the term for that. The idea that God is all things and all things are part of God. It's an ancient idea that's present in many forms today. In a way, quantum physics has given pantheism a boost by placing intelligent life back at the center of the universe. And we talk about that in our multiverse ideas. So the all-important observer is us. Apparently, according to that, a look at uh, nature by means of new science. Uh, people can say they create reality just simply by observing it. Now, Ben and I see vivid evidence all the time that we can manipulate reality by manipulating parallel worlds. Shamans have been doing it since the dawn of the race. Maybe our social dishevelment, our loss of spirituality, uh, our universal orphanhood and shared loneliness have created some pretty amazing instability in our mass subconsciousness. Maybe we are causing these disasters. Okay, we have a caller. And let's welcome the caller. Hello, and welcome to the uh, the show. How can we uh, assist you today? <laughs> uh, is the caller there? Yep. Oh, did, did we? Lo- I think I lost them. Okay, no, just kidding. Well, please, Okay, we had a a problem with the button here. Just just call right back. We'll uh, we'll take your call. But in any case, um, other explanations involve conspiracy theories. And people are always ready with ideas about secret government projects or alien intervention causing disasters, and that God has nothing to do with it at all so and I know I know ben we we often talk about this, but we'll say uh well, you know there, there's the harp project in Alaska or this that's causing weather changes, earthquakes, and this sort of thing
2: well that's kind of natural too, without the government's help
1: well exactly well that's kind of the way I feel now i I spent a lot of time in the military and, I mean um, look at the dark ages. Stuff.
2: The Dark Ages were actually, it was actually a mini ice age because the temperature of the earth went down two degrees. Mm-hmm. And that also helped spread plague and pestilence, blah, blah, blah. And that's why, like, exactly, yeah. millions of people died.
1: And at some time, but again, people could still ask, well, why does God permit this? You know, why is everything not uh, just wonderful? But, well, I mean, what do you do with your own children? You do everything for your own children? Too many people try, and I think that's a mistake. Hence a lot of the, uh, the misunderstandings between parents and children today. I, if, if you look at God as a parent, you let your hand go. Okay, go ahead. You know, do this stupid thing. You will learn, hopefully, and never do it again. At least that—that that was the approach yeah. I took with you. And you—you yep. know—you you did break a few bones here and
2: there, but you're healthy, um, wealthy, and wise. Yeah, today. I have, I have not few, wealthy. I have a few scars on my hands from sticking them inside car lighters, but well, you learn. You never did it again, did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay.
1: Anyway, so and uh, Ben's lived to tell the tale. Yeah. So that's essentially the approach. I don't know why God permits these things. I don't, I don't think that's even the right question to ask. I think that we need to change our paradigm and our thinking to realize and take a little personal responsibility for ourselves. God is not the government. He isn't supposed to do everything for us or have his heavy hand over everything in our lives. I think that we, uh, we need to take some responsibility here. And I think there's a real possibility that this business, that we are causing these by, by, by our, our disheveled mass... Life, our disheveled mass consciousness is. Um, and, because, and, and why is that? Because we are so self-centered. I think that there's a real possibility there that that's that's what's happening. Okay, uh, here is um, one from uh, Melissa in San. I didn't read the whole name. Good, yet. Santa Barbara, California.
2: Excellent. Okay, now that your privacy has not been violated, Melissa. Um, we live on on the West Coast and are used to small earthquakes, but today we had the tsunami warnings around here, and the kids are becoming scared. I want to be truthful with them, but I don't want to scare them to death either. Do you think that this is the beginning of the 2012 disasters, and what should I tell my kids?
1: Well, that's why we didn't address the 2012 thing in the last email, because I knew this email was going to ask the same question. Ben, do you want to begin that and take
2: that? Um. Well, let's see. What do you say to your kids? Well, be honest with them, but just put it lightly. It's like trying to describe that their dog just died. So just don't be like forceful. Oh, well, uh, you're all going to die. But it's, it's not even like that because you have to just explain to them that things are just going to change and that they're not going to die. Most certainly not going to die. Because, well, as my father and I have talked to this, talked to experts, talked to all sorts of people and got their opinions, they feel that nothing crazy, ridiculous, death-related is going to happen in 2012. Because if there was, more than likely we wouldn't know about it.
1: Well, yeah. Let me give you some more background on this. 2012, everybody talks about that. It's coming up in headlines in major newspapers today. And the whole thing goes back to an alleged prophecy by the Mayans that the world as we know it would end in what <coughs> amounts to 2012, or you could argue 2016, depending on how you measure it. Although one, one researcher says that uh, everybody's got it wrong and it's 2043. But regardless of when it is, I mean, they did not say, essentially they did not say the world would end. The, the farthest you can interpret some of the translations is the world as we know it would end. And what they essentially did, they they divided their calendar. Nielan could speak could speak to this better than I can because he's the expert. But yeah. he's a guest we have now and then, an author of Heaven's Wave, the book, a very good book. And what we were saying was that the, they had certain divisions to their calendar, and the last one ends on what people seem to have figured out is December 21st, 2012. All that means is their calendar ended. I suppose you know, if you lived 400 years ago, you wouldn't have to worry too much about uh, continuing the calendar after that. Others say it does mean something. What really made us sit up and take notice was not that the Mayans said this, but that 33 other civilizations said the same thing for the same time and roughly for the same date. And that kind of makes you wonder. Everybody right down to the ancient Swedes. Yes, there were ancient Swedes. Good people, too, just like the Japanese. But anyway, th- this is what they're saying. And again, nobody said everything's going to go poof, but there, there could be uh, issues uh, that um, could be either good or bad. Many people like to think that it's going to be some sort of expansion of consciousness or some, something good will result. What I do know scientifically, and again, I'm not a scientist, but astronomers will tell you when you pin them down, that all sorts of strange things are happening astronomically around us during this period. A beginning uh, really it's already has begun, Yeah. but you have a flattening out of the galaxy, the entire galaxy, which is a pretty big place. The solar system is in the same plane as these things, uh, as, as the rest of the galaxy. Other galaxies around us, to the point of what?
2: A couple, a couple m- of hundred parsecs
1: or something, are doing the same thing. This might mean nothing, but the last time it happened was 660 million years ago when there was a tremendous mass extinction. 660 million years before that, there was another mass extinction. I'm sorry, not 60, uh, 220 million years. 220 million. Yes. Every 220 million years, as far as we know, this happens, and by, is it a coincidence, there seems to be a mass extinction and all sorts of new species arise. Now, that doesn't really click with us becoming smarter somehow and not die. I, I don't know. So th- these could all be coincidences. I think this is one of the things that makes the world such such an amazing place. It's never boring.
2: Yes. So, But yet we both get the feeling that nothing bad is going to happen. We get the
1: feeling, yeah. We're working on some stuff, Ben and me. I really don't want to talk about it just yet, but there are a lot of people who are kind of coming together to think about this and talk about this and, and to... Uh, just, I know for, for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, whatever happens when it that my time is up, when the world's time is up, or whatever, I want to be found, and this is what you can tell your children too, and, and your other loved ones who might be old enough to understand. Again, don't think children aren't old enough to understand either. We want to be found doing what we are supposed to be doing, doing things that are right, doing things that mean something to the best of our ability. Doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that means not necessarily paying attention to your precious self, but by realizing that it's not about you, it's about all of us. That's what I want to be found doing. We're going to take a commercial break. we will be right back on Behind the Paranormal. Paul and Ben Eno on ON 1240. Stay with us.
3: St. Stanislaus Church, 174 Harris Avenue in Woonsocket,
1: holds its annual Giant Flea Market Saturday, March 26th, and Sunday the 27th from 9 to 4 each day. You'll find an array of household and decorative items, along with a wide selection of clothing. The kitchen will feature both Polish and American food. It's a great way to beat the late winter and early spring doldrums. The St. Stanislaus Giant Flea Market, March 26 and 27, 9 to 4 each day, 174 Harris Avenue, Socket.
0: You can depend on us for public service,
3: ON Radio.
1: And we are back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com. And we're talking about the earthquake in Japan and answering a lot of very interesting emails and thoughtful thoughtful thoughts from our listeners from around the uh, pretty much the U.S. here in Canada. Here's another question. This is from Karen Testa. <clears throat> I did it again. <laughs> In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, we're—I think we have another. Maybe our callers just—just just keep going. Anyway, just okay. In case. All right, and uh, Ben, if you would uh, be kind enough to read this one, this gets a little deeper into some of the paranormal aspects.
2: Of okay. I saw your website about increased paranormal experiences after Hurricane Katrina. Do you expect the same thing to happen in Japan or around the world because of the earthquake and tsunami?
1: Yeah, the background of that was after the Katrina events, uh, terrible events in the Gulf in 05, uh, several radio stations called me and wanted me to be on about increased reports of paranormal activity in these areas, particularly where people had been killed. So that's, I think, what the uh, caller is referring to. We have a page on newenglandghosts.com, our website, that deals particularly with that. So uh, the question, I think, essentially is, do we have increased paranormal activity when you have terrible disasters like this? And I would say, probably, and I think Ben would agree, we have a big yes on that. Uh, Oh, we have a call. Okay. Yes, hello. Welcome to Behind the Paranormal.
3: Yes, hi. How are you? Good, thanks. That's good. Despite Uh, our subject tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I Actually, I have a comment on on that, but first I wanted to take a try at your trivia question.
1: Oh, sure. Okay.
3: Um, but at first, when you first brought it up, I was thinking of the, the, the married couple, the Hills. But I think before that was somebody named Boas. Um,
1: that it? Actually, Boas. W- w- how would you spell that last name?
3: B O A S.
1: No, actually, uh, let me look at the answer here. I have to minute. other okay, actually, um, no, that that's not the okay. uh, that's not the correct spelling. Okay. Yeah, I can't give it away, but uh, okay, well, maybe you better try your luck with the next question. that's fine Um,
3: but I do have a comment on what you're talking about and this is something I brought up with one of the other uh, talk show hosts on the same station probably about four or five months ago uh, in regards to the tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis and I I just can't help but wonder you you know the earth is a very fragile place and with everything that man has done and I'm not talking carbon emissions and things like that I'm I'm talking actual buildings and uh, concrete and asphalt that's laid all over the planet. I, I just have a feeling if it's not because this we're restricting for a better, for the lack of a better term, the the breathing of the planet, and it, it it can't radiate heat or take in warmth properly because of everything we've laid all over it. That maybe this is what's causing all the issues.
1: You know, that's a good point. You know, a lot of these things just aren't known. And that's part of the problem. Some of the other explanations are related to what you just said. One is, well, regardless of who's causing global warming, if anybody is, uh, it it is apparently there is climate change, and the the implication is what that the climate's supposed to be static. It's never static. It's always changing. So if you have sea level rise, I've heard I heard a seismologist recently say that that has has changed the. uh, how should you call it, the uh, the weight ratios around the seabeds and things like this, and that could affect the Earth seismically. So in okay. a way, that, that's that's the same sort of idea. Sure. But, but you're right, as far as uh, transferring resources and uh, raw materials to build buildings and build roads, that's an awful lot of weight. And I've even heard people speculate that North America and Europe, and any developed area, is, is literally sinking uh, because of the weight of The transfer of these resources, and they're being made into heavy things like roads and buildings. So I think you might have a point.
3: Thank you. Yeah. And then the other thing, in addition to that, is what we're putting on. It's also what we're taking out. I mean, we are, you know, especially oil. We're we're draining the oil and leaving these voids in the middle of the the ground that eventually, I would assume, have to collapse at some point.
1: Yeah, we've talked about that, too. Ben, kick in here.
2: Oh, well... I actually have heard that from I forgot what science class it was years ago though I think it was in my my uh ecology class in like my sophomore year of high school but yeah that does that does happen because this because uh petroleum's made from I think it's fossil remains of like yeah, dinosaurs and other things like that Some, yeah, and supposedly. like kelps and all sorts of right, things yeah, and right. So if you take that that out, like you're right, what's left? I mean, there's definitely to seismic seismic activity after that. I've often that. had
1: this weird thought that that you know a couple of zillion years from now, when we're fossils, are people going to use us to power their stuff. <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, but again, it's it's anybody's guess. There are many thoughtful thoughts on this subject, and uh, it's um, we thank you very much for yours because it's uh, you may be right. All right, thank you. Sure. Okay. Have a good day. You, too. You, too. you too. Okay. Now, all right. Uh, so uh, I don't know what else to really. There's someone else. Okay, I'll wave another call. And uh, hi, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Uh, uh Are you there? Welcome to Behind the Paranormal.
0: I'm here. Are you there? As far as I know. Oh uh, yeah. Oh okay. Go ahead, sir. Uh, now, Paul, you're the elderly one.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm getting there fast. Oh, yeah. You're I'm the you're father. The father yep.
0: Right of the father yep. and son team here.
1: I'm the father of the team. I am okay. the son.
0: Now you. Uh, you had mentioned you had gone to seminary. Yes. Okay, so I got a question for you. you never graduated seminary.
1: I graduated. I only attended three seminaries over the ten years. I graduated from two, and the last one, uh, they did not like my paranormal involvement, and uh, I was given my congé. So, that so was
0: you a, were you were you ever ordained as a minister or a priest or no, anything?
1: No. No. Oh, okay. I think the church and I both had a lucky escape.
0: Okay, because. Um, now, the paranormal involvement is that like an abomination against god like if you're um, you know if you search out like uh like through mediums and stuff like that, is that one of the reasons?
1: Oh well no no, it's not like I was out you know uh carrying on black masses and turning people into newts or anything like that. I was out researching uh, the subject you know let me give you some back this is in the in the uh mid early to mid seventies. And what was happening was that the, the movie, The Exorcist, had come out in uh-huh. 1973. And uh, I managed to inadvertently get my name in the paper because of a case I was involved with with two other researchers in, in 1974. And uh, again, in the heat of the wake of that film, uh, I my opinion was the church should have been more honest about the subject, say, this is what we believe this is you know, how it works, don't, you know, don't worry, or this is how you approach it. Instead, they just sort of clammed up. Okay. And they still kind of have a habit of doing the same thing, but it's not for me to criticize. So in any case, I was caught in the middle of that, and there was a real paranoia at the time if anybody was involved in this, this subject. And, and so that essentially was the background of that. I was not out doing anything I shouldn't have done. Uh, but since you bring it up, the church, particularly the, the uh, Roman Catholic Church, has never been comfortable with mediums and psychics and any form of communication with the dead. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, yeah, it, it pretty much was considered an, an abomination to do that. But that's not what I was doing. Okay. So my answer is yes and no.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I, I had a sister that went to a medium, and I mentioned it to um, a, a pastor that we had when I was involved in the Episcopal Church. Yeah. And he said, "Oh my God," he says, "That's awful." He says. Tell her to repent. It's not too late, but she must repent immediately.
1: Well, you know why... you never I think,
0: really explain it to me, and I wasn't reading the Bible that much, you
1: know? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons that that, that they're, they're wary about that is a very good one, and that's something that I, I could never get over from day one when I started doing this about 41 years ago, and that's that these people tend to believe everything they're told by, whether it be a Ouija board, which is a very bad idea, uh-huh. any kind of a thing from a medium or a psychic... And how do you know where the information is really coming from? Right. As I often say on the show, I don't believe half the people I meet on the street, let alone mm-hmm. something that claims it's a spirit, you know. Right. So, I mean, there's a good reason to be very wary and careful of this sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that, that, plus, I think you know, there also might have been an element of job security involved there, too, yeah. for some of these clergy. But uh, essentially, yeah, uh, it's something that you're very much encouraged to stay away from, and, and for good reason in many cases.
0: You mentioned an interesting point that somebody had brought up that, um, you know that maybe God was learning from us, like uh, He created us. Yeah, uh, they say in in His image, but He gave us a free will to do His will or go our own way. And like, um, you know, the point about like Adam and Eve when He put them there, He said He could, they could eat of any of the uh, of the fruit of any of the trees except one—the knowledge of uh, good and evil—and then. You kind of expect that he expected they wouldn't do it, but they went ahead and did it anyway, yeah, and um I think you know they a lot of people like to say that God tests us, and I, I suppose that was like one of the tests, you know, and I was listening to a pastor this morning, and um I guess God knew that when that happened, he was already planning to send Jesus into the world. And then that guy he saw there when he, he took a, a wife from uh, some tribe, like the uh, Hittites or something, and uh, that, uh, he wasn't supposed to do that. And his mother told him to go take another wife from the right bloodline because God wanted a pure bloodline to send Jesus into the world.
1: Yeah, well, there are all kinds of... Well, there and there are, um, are parallel documents, too, to... Genesis and and other early books of the Bible that tell very similar stories. So this people all over the place were aware that you really need to do the right thing. You really need not to mess up, and and you really need to be aware that, that God is trying to guide things. So so that's uh, yeah, it's 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 a big picture. It's a big picture.
0: And as far as these uh, tsunamis and earthquakes, what do you think of the idea? Like you know, in the prophecy where uh, Jesus said that there would be earthquakes and disasters in diverse places a nation would rise against nation before it's coming
3: do you think do
0: you think that maybe they're coming in larger numbers now i know these things have probably gone on for years and you had mentioned that in japan it hasn't happened for like a thousand years
1: well it's considered a thousand year quake by, by seismologists not necessarily in japan but it is the biggest one ever recorded there
0: so I'm just wondering if maybe that, yeah, that you can say these things have always gone on since the beginning of time, but do you think they're coming in in larger numbers in diverse places, like it
2: says? Could have been well, a mistranslation. I mean, there was all sorts of mistranslations at the time. Was, you know, that, was that in
1: Revelations? Well, a lot of people take it it's from... It's in Matthew. Jesus said it Yeah, Matthew, Matthew, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, that's, that's it. right. That's it's in right. right. Revelation yeah. too. Sure. Actually, it's not a mistranslation. Some people, some quote-unquote scholars will tell you it was put in later, but... Uh, Because what actually, uh, well, we're not really, maybe we can do a show on Bible prophecy at some point, because it's it's relevant. I hope so, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, well, we'll we'll plan on that, yeah. But um, I don't know if people are going to like what I'll say, because a lot of the things, first of all, the the church, when I say the church, I mean those who gathered in 325 AD to decide what books should be in the Bible and which should not, uh, were very, very reluctant to include Revelation in there. But they did, eventually. Uh, Also, some of the the prophets of the Old Testament were... They they really were talking about their own... King Jeroboam and a lot of people like that who were really bad guys. And the idea that they were talking about thousands and thousands of years in the future is a new idea that really didn't come up until the 19th century. If you look at... And of course, most Western Christians are not... or, or anybody are not really aware of the early church... Uh, the people who heard the gospel right out of the mouth of Christ, <laughs> people like that, uh, they didn't believe it that way. Yeah. They didn't see it that way. They had a very, very different non-Western attitude toward a lot of these things. But of course, most of us were trained by those who came along in the 1600s, 1700s. You know, way after the real events, and we have a different point of view. So, uh, but but yeah, but anything is possible. Don't second guess God. That, that, that's a good. That's a really good rule. I think. So. Um, yeah, who knows i think you, you may be right it could be this could be the end times in that sense but um i don't know i think i think there's a lot more to it than that
0: i think we've still got a ways to go because we haven't got that one world leader yet so
1: well yeah i think you're right you know I
0: think you're right. But, uh, you know we' know, won't know the day nor hour but well that, that's you, Jesus right said you'll know when it's near
1: so. yeah well as i said no matter what the truth is i want to be found doing what i'm supposed to be doing I like that. Yeah, I think that that's a simple way to do it. You know. Well, thank you very much for your call. You're welcome. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Okay, now here we're 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 getting into the realm of the really strange, I think. And uh, I I wouldn't even have this read on the air, but I I just I, I get nervous about these kinds of things, and I I think that those of you who might be thinking of writing stuff like this should should listen to this and then hear what Ben and I have to say about it. This is from Charlie in San Francisco.
2: Right. So, well, a lot of
1: Californians are writing in tonight.
2: Right. So, uh, Charlie writes to us, Please don't think I'm crazy, but I swear to God this happened to me last night. I had a dream where it looked like the whole world was on fire, but in the middle was what looked like a tunnel with a man and a boy, then a very gentle, quiet voice said, Eno. <laughs> that was it. I woke up sweating. I have never heard of you or your show, so I googled, I-N-O, then E-N-O, and got all the stuff about Brian Eno and then the English op- National Opera and some <laughs> river in, Cal- in North, Cal- yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, there's the Eno River in North Carolina. Yeah, but I finally found your show. When I saw your pictures, I knew you were the two in my dream. Please tell me, what does it mean?
1: Well, we're, we're, the, we're the, the guys of people's dreams like... I, I I don't know, I, I don't like this kind of thing. I don't really take it too seriously. I mean, if there's a reason why you need to listen to the show, I mean we're, we're nobody special. We're just people tend to to, to look up to us I suppose in a, in a way because we're a close father and son, and that's not all that common these days. but we're close because of one thing we, we look at we don't pay attention to the trivialities. We realize that there's a big world out there we're we're, we're part of it. It's exciting, it's big. Uh, God has given it to us. Uh, and we we just enjoy the cosmic questions, worrying about not worrying about, but, but considering things that are really really important we think, as opposed to the petty stuff that's involved when you're self-centered. So you know, we're nobody special, but uh, I do kind of get nervous when people say they've had you know revelations concerning us and all this stuff.
2: That's that's it very is what it is. That is very sweet, but well, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, it's, I suppose, but Aww. you know, there's things. I don't know. It just it is what it is, and just if we can contribute anything, then great. I had a dream
2: about Jim Carrey once, but I never um, let, me, let well, me email him.
1: Perfect example of what I was All right. Well, as as um, what, what was who uh, was uh, Peter Robbins, our good friend? We were talking about UFOs one time, and he said, uh, you know, that, that an analyst will tell you sometimes. A dream about a snake is just a dream about a snake.
2: Yeah, that's what most psychologists say, that sure. it's technically just – you just see things and you're just like, oh, yeah. all right. Even though I don't really trust psychology all that much, but most psychologists nowadays say dreams don't really mean anything. Unless well, it it's like, on
1: the whim of the time and psychology kind of blows in the wind. I'd or Freud. minored in it, but anyway. Yeah, but you're right, Ben. Anyway, uh, so that being taken care of, let's move on to just uh, one or two other topics before we, we run down to the end of the show here. Uh, this is about oh somebody local. Uh, Joe H in Providence, Rhode Island asks about uh, psychic ability.
2: Okay, so Joe re uh, Joe writes to us. I have heard that sensitivities to the paranormal, psychic ability, or being a medium, can run in families and be inherited. Is that true?
1: Uh, I, well, what do you think, Ben? I think we've seen that it is.
2: Well, nah, maybe, I don't know, if that was true, then everybody would be psychic, because you go back far enough, we're all related to each other.
1: Well, that's true, but it depends, you know, maybe I, I always use the analogy, maybe I play the piano better than somebody else does.
2: Well, think, think of it this way. You always say, um, oh, crap, what was it? I, I can't remember what I was going to say now, but do you, you always, my age? Yeah, you don't understand don't understand but oh no. The the point being is that sometimes uh you, you say that you want to be a you're that you're a cosmic socialist or whatever, spiritual socialist <laughs> that right. everybody can do these things or everybody should be able to do these things. Yeah. Well sometimes that's probably not the best thing because if they were then they'd probably mess things up and, yeah, and, I see your point. Yeah. and they don't have cosmic common sense so Mm -hmm. they see these things and they're like oh look it's my grandma and then it's actually a parasite or something else that could potentially harm them and ruin their lives very true so there's a reason why some people don't have these abilities and a reason why that some people do they either understand or they in their own way they understand kind of or they just don't get it at all and just sort of do whatever
1: yeah it's true but uh, nevertheless, I, I do think it kind of runs in families. I, I used the uh, On our CBS edition last night, I used our analogy of the woman I ran into in California at a lecture. And I could just see from where I was standing that something was wrong around this person. And sure enough, when she talked to me after the lecture, she said there had been what we refer to as parasites, these uh, life-sucking entities uh, from elsewhere or else when that uh, have... Um, been with her family for generations and it, she said there had been a lot of psychic ability in her family her grandmother and all this uh, they were of italian descent grandmother great-grandmother all this, all this business and uh, sometimes it, what's what they might call psychic ability could be mistaken for being shall i use the word oppressed by negative forces or entities of this kind uh, i don't know It was a, it was a kind of a mixed-up situation but yes i think that these things can run in families as would any other talent. I think we all have quote-unquote psychic abilities. I hate the word because of the baggage it has. Because if, <clears throat> if we didn't, we would not have survived as a species. And I always use, the, you know, suppose your you know you're, our remote ancestors are hunting and some uh, saber-toothed cat is about uh, kind of looking through the menu for lunch. And if you didn't have the feeling that you were being watched or the feeling of danger, then our species probably wouldn't be here. So I think it's a, it's a psychic power, if you want to call it that, or abilities, are a, a survival mechanism. And so I think that's as simple as that. So I think, Joe, yeah, some of this does run in the family. Uh, and um, But I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't concentrate on it. I would just sort of do what you're supposed to do. Right. Now here is... Yeah, we've got time for one or two more here. Uh, this is from Kara May in Raleigh, North Carolina.
2: Okay, so... Uh... Kara writes um when i was a kid i saw a ufo over my house it wasn't high up maybe 30 feet and i wasn't that young i was 12 there were other people around the neighborhood at the time because uh, it was broad daylight this thing was bright and silver and i could see the sun reflecting off it it sat there for at least five minutes before taking off uh, straight up how come i was the only one that saw it
1: that's a good question. You know, that comes up now and then. You have these, these UFO sightings over vast urban areas, including New York City, and nobody sees it but one or two people. I mean, I, what do you think of that, Ben?
2: Well, only little kids can see it. <laughs> no, well, from
1: E.T. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, no, I th- I think of it like... Well, maybe some people just don't want to look up and see these things or whatever, because most people don't go around looking up in the sky and they just sort of go around their daily business, like unaware of things. Or it could be like Beetlejuice, where like the the scene where the uh they the couple goes to see the ghost people and they're just like, well, most humans don't want to see ghosts, therefore they don't actually see the ghosts. So if they don't want to see something they do, they don't want to see, then they don't see it. Right, well, I don't know if that's good
1: enough, but I, I will say that in my military training, the, the uh, one of the principles we learned was that the the principle of invisibility, so to speak, is to be where you're not expected to be. People very often will not see what they don't expect to see. So obviously that that's a simplistic approach to it, but that's one of the things, be where you're not expected to be and in a way in which you are not expected to be there. So in a way, that's kind of a secret of invisibility. However... Uh, That be that as it may, I don't understand how something the size of a football field or or, or bigger—and I'm thinking of the sightings in the 1960s over Long Island and Connecticut—oh yeah, uh, (laughs) uh, whom one of our own relatives was a witness. Yes. How do you miss that?
2: I have no idea. Well, the only or maybe they maybe they just don't talk about it because people up here don't like to talk about things.
1: No, no. Californians uh, from whom we got most (laughs) of our emails tonight are much more open about this stuff. New Englanders tend to. uh, you will know, be a little more reticent about that, even today. But I think w- one of the things, too, might be a multiversal explanation. I mean, we're always talking about how uh, our w- universe or multiverse is constructed, uh, this is what the physics seems to say, of vast numbers of parallel worlds that are really right next to us all the time and in which uh, we are living uh, our lives of our own, and we're sort of a, a super people, super personalities living this way. And one of the, the explanations for UFOs or Bigfoot or any of these other paranormal things we talk about on the show appearing and disappearing in front of people all the time would be that they're moving back and forth across world boundaries. Uh, ben and I have a lot of experience with world boundaries, some of which we don't want to talk about just yet, but these things appear to be real, the membranes of these worlds seem to be like bubbles. They sometimes can intersect. They sometimes can blend. And when these this occurs in a in a large way, as in, I suppose, the, the the Mothman incidents in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s or many other examples to which we could point, there seem to be all sorts of interactions and strange sightings and things up and disappearing or appearing or all this business. So there might be a multiversal explanation. So uh, in a long answer to Cara May's question, uh, you you might have seen this thing uh, because you were tuned in properly to the world boundary intersecting with uh, the one in which you happen to be. And that uh, seems to be what the math says. So I, I, that might be the explanation for that. Yes. Okay. This is a, I think, mm, how much time we We've been about four and a half
3: minutes.
1: Four and a half minutes, thank you. Mr. Producer, okay. Let's, um...
2: Of course, you give me the longest... No, actually... No, no, let's, um, go with a smaller one. That's not as complicated. Ah, here's one.
1: We'll end on a St. Patrick's Day note. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Okay. That's from,
2: uh, It's from M. M. In Albany, New York. Albany, New York. Because I can't say the full name.
1: Not Pastor Joe. I always get in trouble when he writes.
2: Right. Okay, Okay, so... My son has a very big imagination. He always has... has, So when he was... uh, Since he started talking about seeing leprechauns in the backyard and by the by the woods uh, my wife and i didn't think anything of it then we found some really small footprints in the snow where my son said he he uh, he would see if he looked uh or he he said he would if he looked uh, i i know he didn't put them there himself and when we go into the yard we have a really creepy feeling of being watched for what it's worth, my wife and I are both Irish. Any suggestions?
1: Well, we had a whole show pretty much on uh, CBS last night about this, and uh, the doctor from Minnesota he wrote, wrote in saying, didn't dare tell us who he was, but he was being followed. Well, again, I, w- we fall back on the multiverse idea. There are wh- whatever In quantum physics, whatever can be conceived does exist. So, this is simplistic, of course, but does exist somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse. And... I think you perhaps uh, maybe live in an area that has a little bit of intersection going on there. And I think that that's where our paranormal and our legends and everything else essentially comes from is interaction with, uh, should I dare say, aliens or alien creatures or non-human creatures from other worlds where they really exist. If they did not exist, we would not be able to imagine them. And that seems to be one of the principles of quantum mechanics, oddly enough. So uh, don't feel bad, uh, M, Kilcannon, I guess, Albany, New York. Uh, This doctor in Minnesota is having similar experiences, and he's a lot more upset about it than you are, so hang in there. Okay, we're coming to the end of the show here, and we point you toward BehindTheParanormal.com, our show website. You can see guests past, present, and future, and you'll be able to see a lot of what Ben and I are doing, and there's some interesting stuff there. And on our main site, NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are a lot of articles about what we're talking about. And uh, if you're serious about paranormal education, check out the new International Metaphysical University, intermetu.com, hopefully soon to be EDU, because they're trying to get accredited, which I think they will. And uh, many thanks to our producer, Steve, uh, new with us tonight. And we'll see you next Monday, March 21st, at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on WON 1240 AM on onworldwide.com. Ben and I will welcome author and authority on Western Christian mysticism, Kevin Cook for discussion of Apparitions of Mary.
2: Interesting. So in the meantime, tune in to our Sunday evening CBS Radio edition in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle, and online at www.newskyradio.com. On March 20th, my dad and I will take the hour to talk about the paranormal and your family. And remember, you can always get free podcasts of all the shows, along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com.
1: In the meantime, we leave you with an old Irish saying, Quote, it is easy to be pleasant when life flows by like a song, but the man worthwhile is the one who will smile when everything goes dead wrong. For the test of the heart is trouble, and it always comes with years, and the smile that is worth the praises of earth is the smile that shines through the tears.
2: Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.
3: Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for